Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. This is episode number 240, and I'm J.R. Foresteros. I am solo this week, folks. All of my co-hosts are off doing other things. Uh, I was going to say bigger and better, but that's not true because our guest today is director Penny Lane, and uh, we are going to be talking about her latest documentary film, Hail Satan? There's a question mark at the end, so I always have to say it that way, even though it gets confusing. Uh, but you'll see why it has a question mark at the end when we get into the interview. Before we get to our uh, interview with Penny Lane, though, I want to talk to you about a super important, super important news article that uh, went live this week on CNN. A former NASA scientist named Gilbert V. Levin, uh, who was a principal investigator on the NASA experiment that sent the Viking landers to Mars in 1976, he recently published an article in Scientific American Journal arguing that NASA found proof of alien life on Mars in the 1970s and never investigated any further. Uh Basically, we found evidence that would indicate that there used to be life on Mars. And for some reason, NASA just never did anything else with it, including they're sending Mars rovers in 2020, and they're still not sending any equipment to detect life. That's even though we found evidence of salt seas and all kinds of other stuff. So probably time to start tweeting at NASA and demanding they show us that there's life on Mars. I love this kind of stuff because... I totally believe there are aliens out there. I think it's amazing to imagine that uh, simple life could have evolved on Mars at some point in the distant past. And yeah, just it's just amazing. Uh, the idea that there could be organisms that developed on a planet other than Earth, and it's literally the next planet over. Uh, I mean, I think that gives uh, gives tremendous hope that we're going to run into alien life out there someday. So anyway, uh, check out that article. It's really, really interesting. Uh, but for now, I am so excited to introduce you to Penny Lane. Uh, yes, that is her real name. Uh, if you go to her website and read her FAQ, it is amazing. Uh, but Penny Lane is a director. Uh, she's uh, I'll just read from her bio here. She is an award winning nonfiction filmmaker who is named one of Filmmaker Magazine's 25 new faces of independent film. And her most recent film is Hail Satan, uh, which debuted at Sundance this year. And it's now available on Hulu or you can rent it on Amazon or something like that. Uh, she has other documentaries uh, like The Pain of Others, Nuts, and Our Nixon, all of which are available on Amazon Prime, and all of which won all kinds of awards. She also has a ton of short films that she's directed. Uh, Penny has been awarded grants from Science, Sundance Institute, Catapult Film Fund, Creative Capital, Cinereach, the TFI Documentary Fund, and more. Um, and she was even named Most Badass at the Iowa City, City Documentary Film Festival in 2009. Uh, she has an MFA in Integrated Electronic Arts uh, from the uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and she has a BA in American Culture and Media Studies from Vassar College. Uh, and she has taught film, video, and new media at Colgate College or Colgate University, Bard College, Hampshire College, and Williams College. Uh, she is 
brilliant. Obviously, uh, the my conversation with her was so fun. I, I really just wanted to keep talking to her uh, all day. She has such interesting insights. And one of my favorite things about her, you'll hear really early in the interview, is how ruthlessly curious she is about everything. Uh, she is... Uh, the way she talks about religion, which really came out of making this documentary, Hail Satan, uh, is, is so fascinating. And I, I, again, I love just getting to listen to her uh, talk about what she's learned about religion in, in a lot of ways. So uh, Hail Satan is a documentary about the Satanic Temple. And they're one particular uh, religious organization that claims Satanism. They're they're non-theistic, so they don't actually believe in any kind of a personal Satan. So uh, that is sort of what originated Penny's curiosity in it. And again, the documentary is great. I, I saw it when it came out and recommended it. I uh, We were on summer break, but if you subscribe to my newsletter, I, I, set, I did it in there, talked about it on social media. I really think this is a documentary that anyone who is a person of faith of any kind should see because of the questions it raises about what it means to be religious. And, and again, Penny and I are going to get into that. So anyway, uh, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. So without any further ado, let's jump over to meet director Penny Lane. Our guest today is director Penny Lane. Penny, welcome to the Fascinating Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we always ask our first-time guests, uh, what fascinates you in life? Oh, what a great question. <laughs> um, I think the thing that fascinates me the most is the feeling of discovering that I was wrong about something that I didn't even know it was possible to be wrong about. Like something, something happens that, that challenges my preconceptions at such a deep level that I didn't even know I had preconceptions. So that can come from anything, right? I mean, that can come from film or talking to friends or just like any experience in life. Uh, yeah, that is such an interesting answer. Uh, and, and so true. I, yeah, I love learning that I was wrong or like you said, like you just didn't even know that you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing. It's just like, I love to run into that feeling. I like to run into the confusion. And I think that the art that I make really reflects that in a lot of ways. Oh, I, I yeah, I can a hundred percent see that for sure. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what was your path to becoming a filmmaker? Were you the kid running around with a super eight that like always wanted to do it or oh, God, no, uh, <laughs> no. I, I was like an artistic kid, you know, in the way that I think mo many kids are artistic. Um, but by the time I got to middle school and realized that there were people who were like really good at drawing and I wasn't really that good at it, kind of faded away as it did for a lot, as it does for most people around adolescence. Um, and I guess I kind of remained interested in the creative arts, but I didn't pursue it in any way until after college or like pretty much the end of toward the end of school. I didn't take art classes or film classes or anything like that. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, it would be way too long of a story to get the whole thing out here. Sure. But the basic idea is that I was always very intellectual. I was always like, I thought I would be an academic, you know, I, I loved reading and writing and arguing and, and uh, history and literature and all this stuff. And so philosophy. And so somehow I ended up drifting into documentary filmmaking, which is a pretty good venue to explore 
as any, really as good a venue as any to explore intellectual ideas. And the kind of um, uh, creative side of it was something that came slower to me than the, the intellectual part of it. That's so interesting. Like, let me put this one. If, if, I, if I had, like, you know, any kind of real intellectual discipline, I'd be a writer, but I don't. <laughs> So, so you make the way easier choice to make films? It's so much easier to make movies than it is to like write books. Like writing like impossibly difficult. Uh wow, as someone who writes books, I uh, <laughs> am surprised by that. That's amazing. <laughs> well, no, I, mean, I only I made one documentary fun, yeah. in grad school and it was so hard. I guess so. I guess it's just, you know, it's maybe like the ways in which I'm good at it seem really odd. Like, invisible to me you know what i mean like it's just seems sure. so that it's easier <laughs> so i this isn't a question i had in my in my prep but but your answer so far i just have to ask if and maybe you haven't thought about it and that's okay but like how was it ever an intentional choice for you to cultivate that curiosity and that desire to press into spaces where you might be wrong about stuff because that like i think it's pretty obviously not an impulse that everyone has no, it was never something I consciously did. It was much more something that I came to understand. Not everyone did, but assumed people did. You know what I mean? But it was like, just natural for you. Yeah. I've always been like really interested in learning new things. And like no one yeah. who's interested in learning new things, like you don't get to learn new things by feeling confident, you know, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like feel stupid and confused most of the time to to engage in learning. So I've always just loved that. I love learning. And that's what's great about being a documentary filmmaker is my job is just learning and teaching, teaching and learning. It's like the greatest. So switching gears a little bit, uh, we're, we're pretty close to the same age. And so I've got to know how the satanic panic of the eighties affected you at all, or did it, did it miss you? Or were you one of the kids that had to like sneak around and play D and D in secret? <laughs> No, it didn't really have any immediate impact on me because I wasn't, you know, I came, came from like a pretty, you know, I came from like a pretty secular household. So there was no uh, immediate impact in that sense. And I think I was surrounded by Catholics, but it always felt very vague to me. It just didn't, I never really knew anyone who was deeply religious in any way. Um, so it happened like on TV, like I was aware of the satanic panic um but it didn't have any deep impact on me at all uh, other than you know infecting my brain with wrong ideas which you know later, <laughs> later right. i had to yeah. do but it didn't like scare me and, and i wasn't like a, a metalhead kid or anything so it wasn't like parents were afraid of me because they, because of tv or anything so it was much more of a passive part of the background like i was saying okay. earlier it was so taken for granted that that this was true, that, you know, it was a, mi a kind of a mind blowing experience to realize how much of a, well, panic it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like I was really sheltered from it by my mother. So I grew up, I was in a pretty conservative Southern Baptist upbringing. Mm. Um, and, but my, my dear sweet mother who listens to the show, hi mom. Um, she was really committed to not just like telling me what I had to do. And mm -hmm. so like, I remember when I wanted to play D and D she was scrambling to try to find some reasoning that she could give me that it was bad. Cause of course she didn't know anything about it other than what like Geraldo said. 
Yeah, it seems. Um, <laughs> and so she gave me this article and I like if you could imagine all of the reasons that like a conservative pastor would tell kids that D&D is bad, you'd never land on this article. Uh, his reasoning was that you level up your character. And so it's all about making yourself better. And that creates a spirit of competition. And that is like bad for your soul. Cause it's like selfishness. Oh, yeah. I never would have gotten there. <laughs> I know. Right. So I, I was, but like, I was like, so we can't watch football or play monopoly. Like we can't, or, you know, like there's not like if it's competition, you know, anyway, it was funny. And my poor mom was, I think she was, she was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, so, so I don't know. Like I, I kind of like you, even though I grew up in a very religious household, my parents didn't like take it very seriously. Even though I was a kid, I was a, I was a kid that loved like horror and like I had all the goosebumps books growing up and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was, so, so if, how did you find this? I'm documentary filmmakers always fascinate me because I'm like, I'm, I'm always curious how you find the story. So like how, like wh what was the, what was the kind of the biography of this film? How did, where did it, where did it come across your path? And when did you decide like, this is the next thing I've got to do? Well, you know, the interest was kind of related to what I said before, which was, you know, sort of finding out, finding out about the satanic temple and then kind of pretty quickly realizing that I was like extremely confused by the whole phenomenon. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was like, what? Like this, that was the basic conflict initially, which I think is very represented in the film was this kind of idea that it seemed perfectly obvious to me that this was all a joke. But then <laughs> on the other hand, it was like really obvious that it wasn't. So I yeah. was like, wow, that's really confusing. I'd like to understand this, you know? Um, and then as far as like finding the story goes, you know, by the time, you know, if the film shows, um, what's it called? Like, you know, six years, uh, is that right? Yeah. The film shows about six years in the, in the development of the Satanic temple from 2013 to 2019. And, to give you a sense of it, like I didn't even hear about the Satanic Temple until 2016. So, okay. you know, so half of what it, what what's represented in the film had already happened, um, which is a pretty classic documentary thing. You know, in the world of fiction, you would script something called the inciting incident. You would be like, right. okay, here's the thing that happens that starts the story. But in documentary, that's always already happened. Like by the time you should turn, you realize you should turn the camera on. You know, the inciting incident is usually well in the past. Um, so that's pretty normal for a documentary. So, you know, so by then it was very clear that there had been a really fascinating evolution from uh, something that could be thought of more as a joke or a concept, let's say, a kind of performance art concept that had grown from that into, you know, a, an organization that already had about 50 or 60,000 members by then. Now they have well over 100,000. But, you know, even three years ago, it was like, you know, so clearly there had been an, an interesting evolution from kind of a concept or a joke to a legitimate religious organization. And the question of the film was like, how did that happen? You know, how does that happen? Um, it seems crazy, like a crazy story. So that was kind of where it started. So I had the sense that the story would always be actually quite modest, you know, which is just telling the origin story. What is, how did this start? Uh, and, and, and what, 
how did it go from being like this kind of idea into being something quite real? Um, you know, and then everything that followed from after that had to an- help me answer that question, you know? And part of that had to be about like, you know, kind of getting into questions of religious uh, identity and, and sincerity yeah. and authenticity. Yeah authenticity and what those things mean in a religious context. Um, because I didn't really, I hadn't really thought about that before. I mean, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you, when you're a Satanist, you're kind of constantly forced to, uh, prove that you mean it, you know, you sort of constantly asked to prove that you're a Satanist in a way that obviously other, many other religions, you don't have to constantly. Mm -hmm. If I say to someone like, well, I'm Catholic, no one says like how much, how many times a year do you go to church? (laughs) You know, are you, re- how do I know you're really a Catholic? Like, what does that mean? You know, it's a weird thing to ask somebody, but so it started to think, I started to think like some of those questions about, uh, about sincerity and authenticity and all that, like were kind of important in terms of telling that story. Well, and I think particularly for the satanic temple, which is a non-theistic organization, mm-hmm. they don't for them to be sincere doesn't mean what I think a lot of their detractors want it to mean. Right. Well, again, I mean, there's kind of like a shorthand, not very generous way of summarizing that is to say that for whatever reasons in our, in our society uh, at this moment in history, the the way that we decide if, if you're sincere about your religion is how crazy your beliefs are. Like, so, you know, you have to believe in crazy, impossible, intellectually insulting things. And that's how we know you're really religious, which is, if you think about it, a really silly, (laughs) a really silly uh, way to, to go. But that is nonetheless the way that we seem to be moving. I was, uh, yeah, I was... I took a, a, a tremendous amount of joy in watching anytime Lucian would appear on some of the newscasts and they would try to press him on his beliefs. And he was like, well, yeah, I don't like, I don't believe in a personal Satan. And you could tell that just, they didn't have categories for mm-hmm. how to, how to interview him after that. Right. Like they didn't even know what a next question to ask would be uh, when right. he doesn't believe in like in a guy in red spandex with a tail and a pitchfork. Right. It's just like, where do you even go from there? You know? And it's really just like, it's not, you know, you don't want to be too mean about it. It's it's a reasonable misunderstanding. I mean, I certainly would have to acknowledge that when I started this project, I had the same confusion. What what on earth could you possibly mean by saying you're a Satanist if what you mean if you what you don't mean is that you worship a deity called Satan? You know, it just was like, what? What is this? So, you know, the reason the film is the film it is, is that I think the, what the film does successfully is like walk you through patiently, you know, what it is they're actually up to. And it, it actually does take a long time to understand. It is not yeah. something that is easy to explain in five minutes. That's why we have a whole feature film here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so could you talk a little bit about how your own perspective growing up in a relatively secular household surrounded by Catholics, like how has your own perspective on religion shifted in the wake of this film? Oh, it's totally changed. Um, you know, it, it, I, I definitely, you know, always, I think I, I just sort of have to acknowledge that the, 
that I've been very ignorant about religion my entire life. Like that's the fact of the matter. I, I never really looked into it. I didn't really have friends that were religious. Like, you know, I just lived in this totally secular bu- bubble, um, you know, an atheist bubble explicitly. So, you know, and, and I don't even remember like, when did I realize I was an atheist? I always was an atheist. I have no memory of ever being anything else. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of preconceptions that I had and still have, I think about religious people um, and religion and how it works. And I, I think I always thought it was like something basically that was just a mental illness in some way that needed to be like cured, like as soon as possible, ideally, yeah, sure. uh, you know? And so, uh, so, you know, so I had this kind of like new atheist kind of disrespect, I think for, for religion in general and the, in, my interest in the satanic temple initially definitely came from the fact that it seemed like what I had here was like something that was really about making fun of religion in a way. And that sort of seemed funny and fun to me. And then it was really a very sort of slow realization that I was actually making a film about religious people and that I had a great deal of respect for them and that I started to understand religion in a completely different way, uh, you know, that was much less about a kind of list of crazy beliefs um, that you're supposed to like somehow just dogmatically believe in despite all reason. and more as this kind of system for making meaning out of life and for finding fellowship with, with people that you want to share your life with. And a narrative, kind of mythologically grounded, artistically grounded way of organizing your thoughts about morality and what makes a life worth living and how you should treat other people. And in that latter sense, I was like, oh, religion is like amazing. And like we all sort of as human beings are kind of wired for it in a way. And like we sort of need it in a way. And if we don't get it from like the church, quote unquote, we get it from somewhere else. You know, maybe it's like partisan politics or something or environmentalism or who knows. But, you know, so I started to think like, oh, religion's actually more than more than amazing. It's just sort of intrinsic. Um, and that there's no reason to think that just because there have been a lot of bad religious ideas or bad religious people doesn't make religion in and of itself bad. So it really changed my way of thinking about it completely. And it actually left me feeling quite sad that, uh, I seem to be just constitutionally incapable of, of becoming a religious person of of joining a religion. I just, I hate joining things so much that I just can't. (laughs) But I, you know, that I, I now see what I'm missing in a way that I never sure, yeah. understood before. Well, and that was, that was a, something that was interesting to me about a lot of the folks that you feature in the film is how they talk about why they joined the Satanic Temple. And I think it was the lawyer uh, who said atheism is boring and it doesn't have any community. And, you know, the Satanic Temple gives you a lot of those communal features of religion that atheism like strict atheism just doesn't offer which i thought was a really fascinating um spin on again why someone would join something like this i agree i mean it really is true like atheism is really just like a kind of clearing away of the cobwebs but you know it doesn't replace anything it's it's just sort of what you're not uh and not what you are. And that's very, so, you know, it's not, it doesn't give you much to be an atheist, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's true. I definitely related to him when he said that. Uh, I was, I was also another 
section of the film that I was really grateful for and that I, I don't know if enjoy is the right word since I'm a pastor in an evangelical church. So it was mm-hmm. like a little bit like sort of a pain, painful medicine. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about speaking of myth making and, and religion, like the civil, like the forming of the civil religion of America as a Christian nation during the Cold War, yeah. uh, was, was most of that new to you or was that something you brought with you to the documentary? Oh, it was pretty new to me. Um, you know, any of the history that I included in the film was the kind of history that I felt was new. Like I, I didn't know it or, you know, it, it sort of needed to be repeated to me because I had never, because I had forgotten, you know, like, so it was pretty new. I, I didn't know much about, if you'd asked me like, when did we make, you know, in God we trust on the money or like, you know, or like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I would have said like, I don't know, early, like definitely not the fifties. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a new history for me. And of course it's, it's all short and it's a film, you know, so it's not, it's, it's, you could, you could write, you could, and people have written long books on this topic that are quite complicated. And it's of course all very shortened and simplified for the purposes of, of my film, but it's an, it's an incredibly valuable thing to, to look around and, and think about like how the world became the world that it is. It's often a much more interesting story than you assume. Uh, this might shock you, but when I have those conversations with uh, Christians, with especially with evangelicals, they have like a very strong negative reaction to that information. Mm. Like that, that essentially that, that that identity and that way that we think about ourselves as a country is so new, so recent, that it doesn't go back to the founding fathers, that it's not been a part of the DNA of America since the Declaration of Independence, but it's something that was done in the, like, like uh, and again, it's, I think it, because it points back to that identity question that this film really touches on. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, makes, I think, one thing is that there has been a lot of deliberate misinformation spread on this topic. So, you know, there are people like this guy named David Barton, I think is his name. I haven't thought of him in a couple of years, but you know, there's a, there's a guy, I think his name's David Barton who like writes these books that purport to prove, you know, that, that yeah. all the fathers really did want this to be a Christian nation. And like, here's some document I found or whatever. And these are books that are so, wrong that christian publishing houses have pulled them from the store <laughs> right you know like that, that how wrong do you have to be for, yeah for like explicitly christian public publishing houses say like actually we can't publish this book in good faith it's like so wrong but these books have sold you know lots of copies and had a big impact and so not to pick on that that one guy, even though he should be picked on, there's lots of people out there who are very invested in this in this in this myth. You know, and to be fair, there are lots of people invested in all kinds of myths about who America. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they're alone in their delusion. We're all deluding ourselves one way or the other um, about what what America really is. You know, because of course the answer is it's complicated, right? And everyone has their desire to make it simpler. But I do think it's interesting because to me, like the idea that some of these things that we assume are older are actually from the 50s or 60s or whatever, I don't, doesn't really undercut it. It just shows how quickly culture changes. And I think it's really interesting and like kind of amazing, you know, that these ideas could be so powerful that in a couple of generations people would start to take them for granted in a way it just shows how successful those ideas have been in our culture it doesn't undercut it to me it's like wow people really liked this they really needed it and grabbed onto it yeah it's uh 
it's it's something like again i think maybe for a particular kind of religious person uh we want our origin myths to be um ancient and it feels like the like the older they are the the less you can see the seams then the yeah. more authentic they are right. and when you can when you can say no this person wrote this and this person passed this law and then we and we can show the dna then it then it feels human not divine and I think when your religion is based on divinity, then then it becomes threatening, you know? That makes sense. Yeah, it's the same reason that there's a certain type of desire to to um to sort of resist the the ways in which interpretation of the Bible has changed over yes. time. Right? Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean it's really I don't know a lot about it. I'm sure you know a lot about it than me, but it just feels like the same impulse to say, like, you know, the reason that I know this thing is the right thing is that it's always been that way. And That's it, right. Yeah. Like, and, and it was, it was like delivered out of the sky as right. it is and put here. Right. Not, not that it was written by people and preserved by people and maybe copied or miscopied or intentionally changed by people. Right. Like we don't want to, we don't want to know any of that. We want to pretend it's not there because then it somehow feels less true yeah. and less authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. I do. I mean, I don't, I don't, feel that way about many things, you know, I guess myself, but I do understand it as a, as an idea. At the same time, facts are our friends. <laughs> I think so. I mean, that's, that's my crazy idea, but. You know. Well, and to your point, I think if, 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 um, if we're going to live in a pluralistic world that makes space for people who aren't like us, even if I might be so bold so that we can be challenged on the things that we didn't even know we didn't know. Right. Uh, we have to have a religion that is um, may, maybe not grounded. In fact, it could be grounded in tradition and things like that, but, but it has like truth has to be a central component of that. And yeah, if we, yeah. if we, yeah, oh, sorry, some, go ahead. Some, no, just some, I'm agreeing with you, just some accordance with the reality, you know? Yeah. Helps. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, but if, if yeah, if, if we're not even on the same, you know, if you say, well, I think the Earth is six days old and that it's a dream of an alien, I'm like, I mean, oh, okay, I don't. All right, like I can like you, but that doesn't mean we can probably have any meaningful conversation about how to work towards a public good together. Yeah, you know? and, there does, and there does come to be just like a sort of real baseline problem where, like, a lot of people we just have fundamentally different, you know, foundations upon which we build our sense of the truth. And so, you know, for example, the simple example is that people ask me sometimes about like the audience I had in mind for the film. And, you know, like, look, if, if you are a person who, who believes that Satan is real and Satan is at work on the earth, you know, creating evil um, as a kind of, you know, demonic force or like a, you know, supernatural force. Like, I don't think this film is for you. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really think, I literally don't think the film would even make sense. I think it wouldn't even be like legible because like that, that, that foundational belief would make the entire film be like a work of psych psychosis almost, mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't think that that's the audience, <laughs> you know, I just don't think it's <laughs> I was going for, you know, but I do think that, you know, that if, 
um, if there's that, if, I don't know, you know, what your religious beliefs are, but like, if, you know, I guess I would ask you, like, what do you think about that? Like, how do you think about Satan? Well, I wrote a whole book called Empathy for the Devil. Okay. <laughs> where I talk all about it. But uh, no, so so let me, I'll, yeah, I'll kind of sketch out. I think, I, I would say my belief system allows for the possibility of a, a personal Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the way a lot of Christians talk about that figure is sort of like an evil foil to God. So, I mean, I think one of the examples I use all the time, I was going to call it a silly example, but it's not silly because people do it all the time is like, if we're, if we're worshiping and on a Sunday morning and the, you know, a microphone dies, someone's like, mm, devil's just trying to interrupt our worship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, or like the batteries in the microphone died because we didn't change them. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and, and like, let's, let's grant the premise of your argument that Satan is disrupting our worship. Like we live in a world of sex slavery and genocide and war and kids being locked in cages. We really think that like the most important thing for Satan to do is come to like some little church in a suburb of Dallas and Mm -hmm. mess with their worship on a Sunday morning. Like that, that seems to, uh, it seems like a level of arrogance almost that like, again, the world revolves around me. So of course the devil is wherever I am. That right. just doesn't like jive with me. Yeah. And uh, so I, I tend to, I, I tend to worry less about a personal Satan than I do about evil that arises from humans, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I've said to folks quite a lot is, you know, we don't, we don't need a lot of help to be evil to each other. Right. Um and again, I think you see people like we have, uh, there's a, there's a particular religious impulse, uh, to do the flip Wilson. No, oh, the devil made me do it. Right. And it's like, well, likely that's not true. Likely that was just you. Um, yeah. and again, I mean, I could go down a whole rabbit hole of how I think that's a more complex conversation, but that's, that's sort of like baseline for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I watch, I watch hail Satan and I, fa- I mean, so I, my wife and I went and saw it at the Texas theater when it was showing in Dallas. Oh, and cool. then, uh, we watched, I watched it again last night to get ready for this interview with a buddy of mine who goes to church with me. Um, and like both times, all three of us are sitting here watching this movie. And every time I'm like, I am on the side of the satanic temple in every one of these like conversations. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think we should just have Ten Commandments monuments everywhere. I don't think churches should be sneaking evangelistic material into public schools under the guise of free coloring books. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, so, so it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like, it, it was frustrating for me to be someone who like, again, I'm a pastor, like I'm a believer, I'm ordained, I'm an ordained minister. So you would think that I would want to be on the side of the believers. And yet the way they're being religious and the way they're particularly being religious in public spaces is something that I like disagree profoundly with. And if, if there were, if I were at the picket lines, I would not be standing beside most of the Christians. I'd be standing probably beside Lucian and, and his, his folks, you know, I think that makes sense. And it is something that I think a lot of people don't totally get, which is, you know, whatever you think of a satanic temple or Satanism or Satan, 
um, you know, there is an argument that can be made that religious pluralism is good for all of us, regardless yeah. of what yeah. your religious background is. It's simply the case. Even if you are in the dominant religion and you think religious pluralism is a, a threat to you, I think you might be wrong. You know? <laughs> One of the things we've talked about on the show quite a bit is that like when you're in a position of privilege and power, equality is experienced as loss. Right, exactly, exactly. Right, and so, like, it feels like you're taking something from it. Feels me. like loss, but I don't think it is. You it's know? not loss. No, it's objectively, it's not right. Yeah. Like that's like we can look at it from the outside. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's it so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, I, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily have a question here. But the other thing that like I was really fascinated by was how the temple became institutionalized and particularly around like the excommunication of Jex Blackmore. Just because again, it's a community that's built on inclusivity, on welcoming the weirdos, on being a place for people that have been ostracized from other places. And, you know, again, it came down to a philosophical difference. You you have Jex saying in the film, uh, you can't, subvert the system from inside the system. And then I th- again, I think it was the lawyer who said, yeah. I have to work inside the system to use the system against itself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those like, are, those are both really good arguments, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then again, how do you build an institution? Like as soon as, you know, as soon as, as, as soon as they said, well, yeah, we needed to have people come up with chapters. I was like, uh Oh, as someone who like has to work, at the top of an institution, like I see where this is having to go. Like it's inevitable, right? Like you can't. Yeah. Yeah. In order to be a community, you have uh, to have ideas and values. Right. And, and also organization and yeah. And I think the satanic temple is like really trying hard to, to try to reimagine what that might look like and what, how you could have a kind of top down, uh, hierarchy that doesn't that that makes a lot of space for um individual uh freedom and desires you know but i don't think they're they know they're not that that's special like these are problems that affect everyone um it's it's, as you said i don't really have you don't really have a question about that and i don't really have an answer (laughs) it was just so like that was that was maybe the piece of the film that haunted me the most yeah i I, same here yeah, I agree because, you know, you sort of like, there's an inevitability to that conflict. It just feels kind of frustrating in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're running out of time. I just have one more super important question and then we can we can move on to wrap up. Um, what happens when we play your film backwards? <laughs> well, I am happy to tell you that we actually <laughs> did put a lot of backwards masked messages in the film. Awesome. They're there. <laughs> Uh, and the, the, the clue is to look for the snakes. Oh, <laughs> all right. We thought it would be I good can... to have some backwards masking in our film. It was That's impossible. amazing. It was impossible for us not to do it. So we did. And we put a little extra time into the sound mix to make it happen. <sighs> That's so, so good. And that's the answer. <laughs> Although maybe some things happen I don't know about because maybe Satan is at work in the film. And we'll see, right? Yeah, I'll have to watch the whole thing backwards and get back to you. I know, because I know that I, I put some things in there backwards, but I haven't tried playing the whole things backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are you working on next? Or I, I guess, like, I know that 
you know, by the time a film is in the festival circuit and has re- reached release, you've been done with it often for a little while. Yeah. So I just, what are you working on now? Or are you just doing promotion for the movie and showing the movie or are you, are you knee deep in another project or? Yeah, no, I'm working on a lot of things, but they're all kind of too early to talk about. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah. Lots of projects and also still traveling with and promoting the film. Like right now I'm talking to you from Sweden because we're having our Swedish premiere. Um, wow. Still like lots of that, like the international kind of rollout is still very much underway. Um, in the United States, of course, it's already on Hulu. So, you know, it doesn't require that much work from on my part anymore uh, in the United States. But yeah, it's usually about a year of kind of releasing and promoting a film. Um, and that's kind of, I'm getting toward like the, the, you know, the last quarter of that year now. Awesome. Well, if folks want to find you and follow your work, your website is pennylaneismyrealname.com. Uh, your FAQ gave me uh, a great moment of joy when I discovered it. So, Oh, good. The FAQ is the best part. It's the only part. <laughs> uh, are there any other places you'd like to send fans online if they want to follow what you do? Uh, I'm on Twitter, too. That's easy to find me there. Lenny Payne. Okay. Excellent. Well, we'll put links to those in the show notes at thefascinatingpodcast.com. Uh, before you go, I'd love to invite you to do our What's Fascinating Us This Week segment, where we just share something that we are into this week. Uh, so I'll go first, give you a chance to, to think about it. Um, but I am reading a book called The Ninth House right now. Uh, it's by an author named Lee Bardo. She's a YA author, and it's her first adult fantasy. But it's basically, it's set at Yale, and the premise is that Yale was built to bring European style magic into the new world. And they have all of these like arcane houses that specialize in different magics. And there's a young woman who of course is like the new initiate into that. And she's part of the house that's supposed to like be the sort of watchdog house for all the other ones. A lot of mystery, a lot of ghosts, super fun so far. I'm about halfway through it and uh, man, it's great. So that's uh, great. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. So what about like, you, Penny? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I'm also going to recommend a book, although it's a little bit less fun than the book you just described. <laughs> uh, just, I just finished today reading a novel by a Canadian woman named Miriam Toes, T-O-E-W-S. And the book is called Women Talking. And it's, it's, based, it's, one of these, it's a fiction book, but it's based on a true event. And the true event was there was this remote uh, South American Mennonite colony. Uh, I think about 10 or 20 years ago, there was a, a, a series of um, women and girls who were sexually assaulted in their sleep. And it was blamed on the you know ghosts or demons. And it was seen as like they were being punished for their sins. But it turned out that it was... I mean, um, I think it's obvious that men in their community that were were doing, yeah, I know, that were doing it to them. And like this book is basically, uh, uh, the entire book is an an imagined meeting where all the women in the community come together and discuss what they should do now that they've discovered that the the men in their community have been victimizing them uh, like every night for years. And it's so 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 powerful it's really beautiful and it just it completely blew my mind i'm getting goosebumps and now i'm just thinking about it it's a beautiful book so it's called women talking 
by Miriam Toes. I have to find out if she's written any other books because she was, she's just like, I've never read anything like this. Wow. Well, that's added to my queue. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I do like YA fantasy too. So I'm going <laughs> to check out. The I highly books. recommend Ninth House. Again, I'm not finished yet, so it might end poorly, but I would be very surprised at this point. So good. All right. This has been episode 240. Our guest has been director Penny Lane. Uh, her newest film is Hail Satan. And uh, the question mark on the end, intentional. Uh, mm -hmm. It is available on Hulu. Uh, I bought it on Amazon, so you could do that too. And that way you always have it to watch and show your friends. Uh, again, Penny, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a real privilege to, to talk with you. Thank you. This was really fun. Uh, we will be back next week with another great episode. Until then, take care of yourselves out there. Bye.